talks about how you and I can possibly, when it comes to getting hurt or being hurt, how we're to handle that, how we're actually to do maintenance on that. And there is an expectation of that for us. And if we think that we're just supposed to let it alone, let it lie, and it'll take care of itself, Jesus is not going to agree with you today. And, uh, and you'll see that. Let me, let's begin by reading verse, uh, chapter 18, verse, Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus said, If another brother sins against you, go privately and point out their fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two other brothers with you and go back to them again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And if the person still refuses to listen to you, of course, take it to the church and, and, uh, and involve extreme or, or greater extreme, greater measures. You say, Mike, has that ever happened to you? Yeah, a couple of times where we had to sit down with a board and I, I'm just not a firm believer and every little petty problem has to come to the pulpit. You can't get it worked out. You think I'm going to let you tear up this church just because you've got issues. You're, you, there are other churches that will probably accept you and they'll be happy with you. But I, I don't believe in that. But I do believe that there are things that you have to go to that extent and hopefully you'll arrive at a positive outcome. Well, Mike, if there are people in your ministry that you've dealt with and, and that you've approached them and and uh, and brought other witnesses and even maybe have gone to the board and it didn't get worked out, yes. Am I happy about that? Absolutely not. Anybody that's a believer is happy with someone having ought against you, I would have to say you're spiritually backslidden. Nobody could be happy about that. Nobody would ever, I don't think anybody wishes that they could get up in a day and have somebody against them. I, I don't, you know... <laughs> Surely that's not your character and your personality. But, you know, I like what Paul was teaching in Galatians when he said, Dear brothers and sisters, if any Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I believe we're living in a world that's starving for forgiveness. I believe that we live in a world that's seeking for forgiveness. The guilt and the shame of past follies and past failures as a ghost which haunts the lives of millions of people. We long for forgiveness. We look for it. We live for it. We want to have forgiveness within our friends. We want forgiveness between uh, our fathers and our mothers. We want forgiveness, hopefully, between our siblings and before, between all people. And sometimes that's difficult to get, but it should be every believer's target and goal to try to seek that as much as you're allowed to do that. Well, the tragedy is in the church, in the body of Christ, where the body of Christ ought to be the first place where someone can find forgiveness, it's often the last. Some of the most unforgiving people in the world are those who claim to have been forgiven by God. Why is that? Why are we so hard-headed that we don't like to forgive when someone does us wrong? Why is it that, that we love to carry resentment or bitterness or we just like to hang on to it and just relish in it? Why? I just want you to know that Jesus don't do that with you 
and your rotten and my rotten self, he forgives that. He, he excuses that when we come to him as far as the east is from the west. But yet, for some reason or another, I think, my opinion, it's because of our pride. I think it's because of our ego. I think it's because we think we can control everything. And I got news for you. If you think you can control everybody and every situation, you're going to be a most miserable person that's ever lived. And I want you to understand that that's not our job. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he gives us a sort of a, 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 a synopsis of why we should be people who forgive. There are three things, according to Charles Stanley, or elements that, to forgiveness that we need to consider. First is the injury. Second of all, a debt. And then thirdly, a cancellation of that debt. Forgiveness means to cancel a debt in order to provide an opportunity for repentance, for restoration, and of a broken relationship. Forgiveness is setting someone free from obligation to you as a result of the wrong done against you. It's releasing them. Now listen, I learned how to carry a, a, a grudge. My grandmama taught me well how to do that. And it wasn't on my mama's side. That was a loving woman. She didn't seem to want to, she didn't seem to have an enemy in the world. But my grandmama, whoo, if she loved you, you was okay. If she didn't like you, you knew it. And she didn't hide it. And you know what? Many, many times I'd say, Mama, why are you so mad at so-and-so? If she could remember, she'd tell you. If not, she'd say, I don't know, but I'm just mad. Shut up. You know, some of us are like that. We like to hang on, and, and there's all the... But, you know, since I've been pastoring here for 25 years, there are a couple of times where I got wounded. I'll just be honest. I entered in this pulpit preaching mad, hurt, emotionally bleeding, and I wanted to forgive and couldn't. I'd say, Lord, help me, and, and I didn't get it at that time. Why? Because I didn't want to let go of it. I didn't want to release that debt. And every time, you know, you say, well, how do I know, Mike, that I've released the debt? Well, when you're in Kroger, do you run the other way when you see them? Do you kind of hide like that? You have not released them if you're doing that. And you know what? It's not uncommon for that to take place. But it's so much freedom when, when you're in bondage and, and you're working through this and you're hurt and you're crying and you're laughing and you're crying and you're laughing. And then you get on the other side of it and you release them. Oh, there's such freedom. Because then you can walk into their face and shake them and say, how you doing? And they don't want to talk to you. They really don't. But you got this big grin on your face because you're just so happy. And they're not happy because they ain't released you. Well, how do you know, Mike, that you've released them? Well, the negative feelings are disappearing. Harshness is gone. 
acceptance of being in the, the same atmosphere with them is reappearing. You see, forgiving is a decisive act, but it's a productive process. You decide you're going to release them from that debt. You've got to decide that. You say, Mike, how can you be so emphatic about that? Because I know I've had the same thing happen to me. Now, look, I preach sermons, and some of y'all go out here two weeks later and say, you, you hurt my feelings. I did what? You hurt my feelings. I did? Well, it's funny that I hurt your feelings. What did I hurt your feelings about? It was something you said in that message. Well, evidently, you were guilty. Now, if I had the, if I had the gift of mercy, I'd say, I'm so sorry. I won't preach that ever again. Just for you. Who in the world do you think you are to think that I would deliver a message or develop a message just for you anyway? <laughs> do you think you're that important? Listen, when I get together with God, I say, God, deal with a whole bunch of them. I love shotgun sermons. This is shotgun today. Because I know all of you are getting busted. Some harder than others. Some of you hadn't spoken in your dad in years. Some of you hadn't spoken in your mom for some time. Some of you right now cannot call your kids on the phone because y'all are divided. Some of you are mad at mom and dad in your home now for something that took place real recent. Mike, there you go. You're meddling. No, I'm not. I'm just kind of telling you the way it is. I had this prepared two weeks ago. Don't think I'm picking on you. It, if, you if you're feeling uneasy, it's the Holy Spirit. It ain't me. Matthew 18, 21, Peter came unto Jesus and said, Now, Jesus, this dude's upset me. Now, how many times I got to forgive him? Do I have to at least do it seven times? <laughs> Here he goes telling Jesus what to do. He was bad about that, you know. Jesus looked at him in verse 22 and said, Peter, I got news for you, son. Until you've released him of that debt per one incident at least 490 times, you haven't forgiven. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That one person has done hurt your feelings, and if you hit him in the head with a two before, it just make you feel better? You know what I'm talking about? That co-worker just embarrassed you to no end in front, in front of your boss? That ding-a-ling of a husband that divorced you? Still an idiot? And you're still toting it around. You haven't released it. I use this illustration probably more than I should, but it sure does speak on this subject. A couple, <clears throat> a man went to see the doctor. And the doctor came out, and the doctor didn't look too good. 
After carefully examining him, with, as the doctor walked out, he says, man, I don't like to look on your face. He said, what's wrong with me? He said, well, I hate to break the news to you, but you've got rabies, and you're going to die very soon. All of a sudden, the man that was going to die, he took out this piece of paper. He began to write, 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 write. And I mean, he was writing, and the doctor looked at him and said, what are you doing filling out your last will and testament? He said, no, I'm writing down the names of the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> By the way, if that's the way you feel, you ain't released nothing. Nothing. Well, yeah, there's been some times I carried it long enough. I'd like to bite a lot of people. But then that just says and the problem lies in me and not in the person that hurt me. Well, Jesus kind of gives up. He gives us an illustration uh, and how to respond when we get hurt. Let's look at it. First of all, we should thankfully receive forgiveness. You see, forgiveness may be free, but it's not cheap. Look at verse 23 through 25. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like an unto a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. By the way, in our day, dollar amount, that's $10 million. But as he was not able to pay, what what he had done, he had embezzled this $10 million. He wasn't able to pay, and his master commanded him that he be sold, his wife be sold, his children, and all that he had to make the payment good. As Jesus is telling about this man being embezzling this great sum of money, I want you to understand that the point of this is that the, the debt was unpayable. It was an impossible situation. There was absolutely no way this man could ever pay back what had been stolen. Now, in order to understand the parable, you've got to realize that the debt is in this parable represents sin. Sin is an unpayable debt, and no matter how hard you work and how good you try to be or, or how often you attend church on your own, you'll never pay off the sin debt that you owe to God unless you come to Him. I don't believe some of you realize just what Jesus has done for you. If you took the very best human being that has ever lived and took the best, that best and turned it into gold, there will be not enough gold to make a down payment on the sin debt of one person. That is why I want you to understand that forgiveness is free. It's not cheap. Look, it took Jesus to come to heaven to take care of your sin debt. He forgave you. He cleansed you. Past, present, future. He forgave you. Verse 27 said, The servant fell down before him, saying, Master, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him, forgave the debt. He took what was stolen, and he turned it into debt. He took what was debt and turned it into a gift. Then he paid the full amount of the gift out of his own pocket. Can you see immediately what's happened? The debtor owed a debt he could not pay, and the king paid a debt that he did not owe. And I must say without passing, that's exactly what Jesus done for you and I on the cross. We owed a sin debt that we couldn't pay. He paid the sin debt that he didn't owe. 
Who did he do that for? You. You. And we want to walk around with a grudge? Somebody else. We're okay being out of fellowship with a will of man. You can't be if you're saved. There's no way. If you're a born-again believer and Jesus is in your heart, he ain't no way he's going to let you feel good about that. No way. If you feel good about it, I just want you to know if you're saved, you are backslidden. You're backslidden. Every time we gossip, use that tongue against people and their character. Jesus forgives you. Did he cut your tongue out? Every time you let feet run to mischief and you desecrate somebody else's character, he cut your feet off? Every time you let those eyes wander where they shouldn't wander, he put your eyes out. And yet he forgave you. You want to know why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that we are now being conformed to the image of that Jesus Christ. You want to know what kind of love you're supposed to have? Same guy. That overlooks and releases people from the wrong they do to you. When someone wrongs you, Jesus said, you better go to them. Try to make it right. Make it right, you want a buddy. If they... if. You know, you've, you run into them every once in a while. There ain't no way in the world you can get any of it right. So then you take one or two people with you. And you make an attempt to make it right. That's redemptive. That's wanting to release this thing that, look, as long as there's going to be grandkids, as long as you're going to be married, as long, I, I don't care who you are, before you leave this earth, there's going to be a bunch of people hurt your feelings. And some of you just love to carry a chip on your shoulder anyway. You look for somebody to knock it off because you won't be mad. You want to be miffed. You got a spiritual problem is what you got. Because I don't long to be mad or miffed or on the riff with nobody. Second of all. We must humbly render forgiveness. Look at verse 28. The servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him money. <laughs> this, is, this seems like a kick the cat syndrome. You get mad, you come home, kick the cat. Your kid sees you get mad, and he goes and kicks the dog. And then, then somebody, and then for long, everybody's kicking everybody. He grabs a guy by the throat who owed him $15. And he said, I demand that you pay me. Now, he'd just been released a debt of $10 million through embezzlement. 
As a matter of fact, I tell you what I'm going to do, bud. I'm going to have you put in jail until you pay it. Boy, now that's reasonable, isn't it? Did he really want the $15 back? No. Why would you want to have somebody put in jail that owes you $15? You think he's going to sell magazines in there and an inmate or something? What's he going to do? You then been in jail, you know what I'm talking about. This man had been recently released of his debt, and here come one of his debtors, and all he could seek for is payment and punishment. You've been released of a debt that you couldn't pay, but you owed it. And that debt, debt is called the forgiveness of sin. And for you and I to hold a grudge against someone else as a believer and not try to work that out is just as ridiculous because what you're doing is you're grabbing them by the throat and you're demanding payment when you have been covered under the blood. Does that make any sense, whatever? We should walk around. I'll tell you, somebody said, well, how should we deal with this thing, Mike? Well, this is what I try to do. I try to walk around, and when people make me mad, and they do all the time, I, if I'm not careful, my feelings will be hurt half the time, and I'll bump into something, and if I'm not careful, I'll put it in my pocket and hold on to it. That's your first mistake right there. Release it immediately. You know what the Bible says? When you and I sin or we are sinned against, right then, right then, if you're a growing Christian, you deal with it. You release them, you forgive them, and, and you're, back in the sh- you're back in the show, man. You're not dragged down by what somebody else is trying to do. You've got to stay. That's a maintenance thing. If not, before long, <laughs> you'll be in, I, I, I was going to say a wheelchair, but I didn't want to think I was pointing at you, but you'd be in a wheelchair. Not that's, why, that's not the reason they're in a the wheelchair, guys. Don't. <laughs> but we'll be walking and we'll be dragging spiritually in a wheelchair. Constantly needing attention. I like what Paul said in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Listen to this. Just as God in Jesus has forgiven you. That makes sense. One great psychologist said, forgiveness has given up my right to hurt you for hurting me. You may be theologically straight, morally upright, but if you do not have a forgiving spirit, you are spiritually bankrupt. One man said, he cannot... He that cannot forgive others burns the bridge over which he must pass himself, for every man has the need to be forgiven. Thirdly, we will regretfully refuse forgiveness. Look at verse 34. Then the angry king sent the man that he had released from his debt to prison until he paid every penny. Aren't you glad 
that Jesus, when he paid the ransom for your sin and mine, he didn't throw us back into prison. He set us free. And I want to tell you something. Look, y'all can get mad as you want to. You can get your feelings hurt. You can collect all this garbage in life. And, you, and look, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to do it because people are just people. Preachers are just preachers. Singers are just singers. Teachers are just teachers. Attenders are just attenders. And what happens sometimes is that we walk in the natural and we live in the natural and we don't walk by the Spirit of God and we walk as if though we are wanting somebody to hit us, looking for it. We shouldn't be looking for it. Paul in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, calls for unity of the brethren. And unity comes in love. Isn't it that says, the Scripture, that love covers a multitude of sins? It's not that it excuses sin. It just covers our faults. Because everybody in this house today has a fault. You have character flaws. And some of us hide them better than others. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. I close with this and... <clears throat> When I went to school, they didn't let you do, they didn't let you take a calculator to class. By the way, that's why some of you can't add or subtract, because you're a product of the latter part of the generation that they demand you take a calculator. Well, to be honest with you, I can add and subtract and divide. I get lost in algebra and trig and all that other stuff. I don't like it. You don't like me. But some of you, because you took your calculator to school, you didn't learn to add or subtract. But all of you learned one button on that. There's one button. You know very well what I'm talking about. That button has a big letter C on it. You know what I'm talking about? It's the clear button. No matter how many errors and mistakes you make, as you enter data into that calculator, all you have to do is push that little C button and something magical takes place. All of the errors and all of the mistakes that you made are instantly and totally eliminated from the calculator. You can start all over without having some to sort out your errors. As a matter of fact, there's no record of your mistakes. It's lost forever. When Jesus saved you 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, and he stood as your clear button, your C button, and he forgave you when you come to him and receive him, he expects you to forgive the same, others the same way he cleared your past. Now, that spoke to some of you. 
But unfortunately, not all of you get it. Some of you like the two boys known little brothers, Timmy and Johnny. They had just finished supper and they were playing. And, and just before bedtime, Timmy hit John with a stick. Tears and bitter words began to flow. And as the mother came up and get them ready for bed, they were still hurling charges and accusations against each other. Finally, the mother pulled Johnny aside and said, Now, Johnny, you, you go to bed. When you go to bed, you're going to have to forgive your brother. Johnny thought for a few moments, and he said, Well, Mama, I'll forgive him tonight, but if I don't die in the night in my sleep, he better look out in the morning. <laughs> Johnny did not forgive Timmy. And let me, understand, let me just be real clear about this. Jesus don't treat you that way. He releases you from the sin debt. And he's expecting you to do the same. 